Welcome, welcome, welcome to my podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. I am your host, Amanda Joy Loveland, and as always, I am so honored to be here with you and really excited to share this interview with my next guest. But before we dive in there, I have a few spots left for my upcoming retreat in Springdale, Utah, which is right outside of Zion's National Park. And that is March 17th through the 20th. And just alone with being in this space, this beautiful 8,000 square foot home that, oh my gosh, is stunning. Just in this space alone, it's healing. But now add on top of that optional daily yoga, a massage, all the meals provided. So if you go to my website, you'll see that the pricing includes all of these things. And then our daily activities, our daily class discussion, our daily um, practices that we get to do that will assist you in unbinding and unwinding those parts of you that feel heavy. When we put down what feels heavy, what's no longer serving, we put that to rest. We get to access another part of us that has not yet been accessed. And that, oh my gosh, there are no words that can really accurately describe that feeling of pulling in parts of you that you've always wondered if they were there, you've always known exist, but haven't yet felt into it yet. This retreat will be stunning. So I hope you join us. Head over to my website, amandajoyloveland.com forward slash unbind to secure your spot today. And this next guest, oh my goodness, Kira, Kira, Kira. I absolutely love and adore this woman. I, she is my, I'm in her mentorship program. Um, she is assisting me in writing and doing all sorts of things. And she's brilliant. But not only is she brilliant, her story, oh my goodness, her story is so, so unique and so beautiful that I think for me, what captivates me the most about Kira is she definitely has created her own walk in the world and walks to the beat of her own drum that she has co-created with God. And in that and her integrity and her authenticity, Oh my goodness, it's beautiful. So I will quit chatting. I will quit rambling on and let's dive in to my interview with Kira Polson. So hello. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited you're here. It's like I was thinking this morning how I wanted to introduce you. I'm like, do I introduce you? Do I not introduce you? But I'm sitting here with Kira Polson. Kira, I met how many months ago now? October. Was it October? Mm, I think so. Beginning, the, maybe. I was thinking about that, how totally out of the blue, because I'm not a huge follower of Katie Katie Joe. I don't mm-hmm. see her stuff yeah. very often. All of a sudden, it pops up that she's doing this writing workshop. She has a publisher that comes is coming in. And I was done writing. Like I wasn't in the space of writing, but it's like, oh, something called to me. So I showed up. Then you walked in the room. I'm like, damn it. I really <laughs> like this woman. I need to work with her. And you are my writing coach, and you're yeah. absolutely amazing. Mm. And as we've gotten to know each other, your Mormon story is fascinating. <laughs> There's a part of me that's really curious and really um, the fact, well, I'll let you tell this story. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to say this. The fact that you went back in, yeah. it definitely like goes, oh, how do yeah. I feel about that? So I'm really curious to hear. <laughs> well, and I think I, I do really want to acknowledge, I don't, I don't feel as though I went back in. That's what's really interesting. So it'll be interesting for me to share my story, yeah. Um, and how how it how it is currently, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it's such an honor to work with you. You are oh, so powerful. Well, so are you. And 
I love working with you. Your books, your programs, like everything you write, everything, your courses, everything. It's like, this is new information. Like you are not coming up with copycat kind of stuff that's in the world. Like yours, I'm like, I've never heard this stuff. You're just genius, brilliant, amazing. (laughs) Well, thank you. Sometimes it's (laughs) nice hearing because when you learn your stuff and you know your stuff and you do that as a practice, it becomes very it's my, it's my stuff. So it's like when I put it out, it's like, well, everyone knows this, don't they? I just did triangle work with a client a few days ago and she's done a lot of different work. And um, I'm, I, I don't know why I was surprised she had never done a process like this. And it was a good reminder of, yeah, yeah, not everyone goes and does somatic triangle work, (laughs) but I do. (laughs) That's when you know you've hit your genius is that when it feels so comfortable to you, that you're like, yeah, everyone knows this. And then right? you realize, oh, this is this is the genius within me. So yeah, I just love you. working with you. Ditto. I love working with you. My thank goodness. Thank you. Thank you. So <sighs> I'm gonna let you my story. start with where you want to go with this story. With you did you're not from Utah. No. Mm-mm. I'm or, from Arizona. Arizona. Mm-hmm. So growing up Mormon in Arizona, it's, some, it's like some, Utah. Yeah, I yeah. some areas I mean, are like Utah. Yeah, I grew up in Gilbert. That's yeah. like Provo, I would imagine. <laughs> right? That's what I've heard. I've yeah. never been there, but I've heard that it's yeah. very Mormon. So I grew up like in it. Like I loved, I loved the church. Like I really, I really did. And um, I mean, it just brought me so much joy. I was also like the little girl who was, you know, in her room reading her scriptures every day. Mm. And not really because I had to, but like the spiritual world, it's just part of who I am. And so church kind of, it gave me my introduction to spirituality. Mm -hmm. And also, I think because I had been through a lot of trauma as a child, I had multiple experiences of, of abuse as a child, church seemed to be safe for me. Mm -hmm. It was like in a world that isn't safe, church felt safe. Yeah. So I I named that because that created like a really unhealthy attachment to church for me that created like, this is the safe place. It's almost a really dependent, really dependent Mm -hmm. and really like, um, this is the only place that I can truly trust. This is the only place that I can um, rely on. Mm -hmm. So when it started to break for me, like it was probably more traumatic than even the abuse I went through because this had been my rock for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like, 22 in Relief Site Presidencies, 24 in Relief Site Presidencies, like over and over. Like I was just like ready. Mm-hmm. I was ready to serve. I was ready to be anything that God needed me to be. Climb the ladder in Mormonism? I guess, right? Yeah. Like I don't know if I ever looked at it as climbing the ladder, but it was like I will I will lead mm-hmm. and I will I will teach and I will support and and um so when I was 29, which is 10 years ago, it started to break. And it felt like my deepest foundation was shaking and I didn't know how to climb out. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying like, 
oh, I'm going to just have this really great story that I, I doubted. And then it came back. <laughs> right. And then it was like year after year. It was like, well, like, I don't, that story is not happening. Like I, like, it's not, I'm not finding my way out of the doubt. And it's interesting because it wasn't like a lot of people's stories were like, well, I started reading about Joseph Smith or I started looking into, it was like, none of that mattered to me. Like Mm -hmm. the gospel was always true for me. Mm -hmm. It was that the experience at church felt like a mockery. And I just don't do well in that energy. Mm -hmm. So so I'd be sitting in Relief Society just like praying, like, oh, I just want to feel the spirit. I just want to, I want to feel like nourished and how I used to feel. Mm -hmm. And instead I was just pissed. Like, what is this bullshit? (laughs) Like, nobody knows what's actually happening. Like, no one is talking about God. No one's talking about Christ. Like, what is happening? And it was like this anger. Like, why? Like, why? And I remember when it finally broke for me, I was um, I was over girls camp. I was like in the state presidency, girls camp directory, whatever they're called. And I remember we were sitting in the high priest's room or whatever. Is that what it's called? I, I don't, don't even remember. know. I'm I mean, going to say it is, right? Like no, high priest room or yeah. something where it it's the yeah. long table. Oh, yeah. And there's all these pictures of Christ. And we had spent two hours talking about, all right, let's figure out if we can get troll hair for the girls for their plays and canoes, like who can get canoes. And there was this moment where I felt like I saw Christ taking the table and throwing it on the ground and be like, what is this mockery? Mm. Like, why? What are we doing? Like, have we once asked, how can we take these girls and help them know Christ. Mm -hmm. Like, and it was like this, like anger, like what the hell is happening? And I was like, I'm out. Like, I will not participate in this. Like I won't participate in a mockery of what I feel is holy and sacred. Mm -hmm. And so my experience wasn't, it wasn't like most, it was like, I was so passionate about the gospel. And it was like, what is happening in church? Like, this isn't gospel. Like, this is, this is bullshit, like all of this. And it was so painful and so sad. Like, it was like so grievous to me to lose my church because I loved it so much. And I just wanted to be the old Kira. I kept being like, why can't I be her? Mm -hmm. Like, why can't I go back? Thank you. Like, why can't I go back to loving church? Why can't I go back to going and feeling nourished? Why can't I go back to who I once was? But it was like, I woke up and I couldn't go back and I couldn't go back to sleep and I couldn't be who I once was. I was this new person. So, you know, I've really felt strongly like this is my faith crisis I have five kids. I'm not ripping them all out of like a community mm-hmm. that they know. So I went and then we kind of didn't go. Then we kind of did. But around that time, so I guess it was seven years ago, I um, 
you know, I also loved the temple. Like I did. I I went I went regularly. I because I do have the gift of second sight, I would often see people like spirits there mm-hmm. and felt like really connected to them and um and then I went one night and um it was in the middle of my faith crisis. And it was like I couldn't breathe. And it was just so much anxiety and so much like it it was like everyone's asleep and I cannot exist here. Like it was so painful. And so that night I had um I asked God, like, do I go back? And I had this dream where I went because I mean, I don't know how this is all making me sound. I don't want it to sound like I'm more righteous. That's my biggest thing. Like, I don't want it to you sound not, like that. You don't sound right? like that. This is your story and your experience. So it really, really bugged me that in the celestial room, people were like chatting like it's freaking like a after party. Mm-hmm. And that was we like, made it. <laughs> like that, this is ridiculous. Like, what are we doing? Like, this is the space where we get to talk to God. Like, yeah. what are we doing in here? And so in my dream, I had uh, this dream that, I went into the temple and there were all these books, like all this wisdom. And then there was like these belts over them. And I just heard like, this isn't available for you here. And I, it was like, there was like the wisdom is like, it's not here right now. Mm-hmm. And then I went into the slush room and people were like bowling. And I was like broken hearted. And I went outside and there was these two people and I was like, what happened? They're like, we don't know. And it was like, just so sad. Like my faith crisis was so sad for me yeah, because I just had such a deep love for it. And I just didn't want this to be my story, you know? And so I decided that I wouldn't be going back. I decided that I'd be taking my garments off. And I said, I'll just do it. If God ever asked me to do it, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. But like, it has to come from God. Like I need a direct guidance that that is what I do. And so the next few years was me just finding my own spiritual path, which was really beautiful because then my connection to God was me and God. Like there was nothing in between. There was only this line and that's where I found God. Like I found God on my own in deep pain, in seeking and asking, like if this whole structure that I believed was true, isn't true for me, then like, how do I live my life? Mm -hmm. And so that really opened up so many beautiful things. Like my experience with the divine mother, my experience with Christ, like, you know, because I wasn't active in the faith, but I still wanted blessings. And so I began to be able to ask Christ to give me blessings. And that was really powerful for me to realize like at any point at any time, I can have Christ come and give me a blessing. And so it created this like breathing room Mm -hmm. in what was possible. And then it opened up to like, working with all of my angels and my guides and working with Isis, like the goddess Isis is so loud for me and Mm -hmm. she has taught me so much. So what's happened is like 
it opened my heart to receive divine light in whatever teachings and way it needed to come through. Mm -hmm. So a really beautiful thing that happened was years after this occurred, um, I was in this mastermind to become a speaker. And I had spent nine months on this talk. And we were going to speak at this big symposium at the end of the mastermind. And I had worked so hard on it. And I'm really good. I'm really good at speaking. Like I knew I could do it really well. But I got up there and I did it like 50%. Like, I don't know what happened. I didn't mess up. I didn't stumble over my words, but like my power was gone. And even like all my sisters in the mastermind were like, uh, oh shoot! That really wasn't <laughs> you. What happened? And I just was devastated. Like yeah. I had just like taken out so many credit cards to be in this mastermind. I put my whole freaking heart and soul into it, and then I felt like I had failed. Yeah. And so I couldn't even like be with it. And I ran up. There was this closet up in this stage area, and I just went in there and I just was sobbing, and I was just like angry and frustrated. And in that moment, this beautiful woman walks in and I had seen her around, but I didn't know who she was. And, uh, she sat down and she just held me, which if you know me, like I'm actually not super big at like huggy Mm -hmm. stuff. (laughs) I'm not like a (laughs) hold me. Like that's like very rare for me. So the fact that like I was at peace, letting this woman like just hold me and let me cry. And afterwards, um, I said, what is like, what is your story? And she said, um, she said, I am like, I think she's like the great, great, great grandfather, granddaughter of Muhammad, uh, in the Muslim religion. Mm -hmm. And she said, my family, they are like, like the prophet and the prophetess of this religion. And she was this head leader. And at one point, point in her life, uh, the religion broke and she had to leave. And she just started bawling around how grievous it was for her. And it was the first time someone else shared with me grief. Up to that point, I'd only met people who were like just pissed and angry and upset, but like I'd never met someone who had grief. And we just sat there and cried. And I told her how sad I was when I took off my garments. Like I just cried and cried. And she just told me how when she took off all of her Muslim garb, like how she was so sad. And it was like this beautiful moment to be seen. Mm. Like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not weird that I'm sad. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up creating a podcast together called uh, Navigating Truth. And we launched it January 2020, and it only got like four episodes. Um, And then I feel like our world just kind of went into some pretty crazy spins. But those episodes, they were so healing for me. I bet. And um, anyways, I'm like talking, talking, talking. That's Well, that's what this is. You do most of the talking. I listen. I get to hold space. I get to ask you questions. Uh, yes. I And I do feel like you're the first guest that I've had. And I've had, what, 26 guests now? Yeah. Which um, doesn't seem like a lot and yet is a lot all at yeah. the same time. And uh, yeah, you're... You're the you're the first one that has expressed grief. Yeah. So I'm grateful to have that unique perspective. Yeah. Um 
So what a beautiful experience that you got to meet someone else that could share that and hold space. And I love experiences like that because then it reminds us that we, I feel like things like that remind us we're not alone. Like we're yeah. always being watched over. Yeah. And um, how beautiful. Is yeah. your is that podcast still active if people wanted to yeah, go? Yeah, it's okay. still out there. I'll make sure mm-hmm. and tag it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll do a new one soon. Um, I just have a deep, deep love for Mona. I've had lots of visions of me um, before I met Mona Mm -hmm. of me wearing like Muslim garb. Like I had like dreams and visions of me wearing this and really like really sacred uh, dreams. So when I met her, I actually shared with her my dreams and we just held each other. Like it was like we were um, like we found each other again. Soul sisters kind of thing. Yeah. Soul family. Yeah. Yeah. So Mona is like a, she's like, she's a sister that I feel like I committed to coming to this earth to do something with. Mm, That's beautiful. And our work, I don't know where it will go, but she was a real huge piece for me. Yeah. So I was, I mean, I was attending church here and there with my family on and off, but you know, I was out, like I was just so out. Mm -hmm. And then we moved to Idaho and we knew no one. I mean, I had a brother who lived 30 minutes from us, but they have, they're always traveling. That's their business. And, um, my husband's like, let's, let's just go and bring in some community. So we went and found our ward and it, I really struggled with it. I really didn't want to go. I didn't want, I was like, this is a clean slate. Like, let's just start different. Mm-hmm. But I just felt God say like, this is a, this is a place for you to find community and you don't have to be Mormon. And that's like a really hard distinction for yeah, it is a unique. Distinction. Yeah. Right. Like it's like, okay, so I'm going to go. And to most, it's going to look like I am Mormon. I know you got, you kind of snapped at me once and I'm like, well, you're Mormon. And then you're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, but it's like, but I get to be me. Yeah. Right. So that means that, I mean, I, this, this community of people have just been so good to mm-hmm. our boys mm-hmm. who have struggled. They've struggled with this move and, um, I was able to understand that I can be with people and be my own person. And that's the place where things have shifted for me, where I, I even took a calling and I told them, I told the bishop, like he knows my story. And I'm also like, I don't actually know if this church is true. I'm like, but I will come and teach of Christ because that is what I do. Like I love Christ. And so there's a lot of, so I got the calling of teaching Relief Society. That's why I said yes, because that is where I get to be healed in the space of, I get to come in and whenever there's stuff in the lesson that feels super um, extra, Mm -hmm. like not in alignment with what I feel is clean, simple truth, Mm -hmm. that just doesn't go in my lesson. And the lessons get to be channeled. So I don't even prepare them. I tell God that I will be a channel. And then I show up and I do. And I've shared 
all of my stories with these beautiful women mm-hmm. that I quit going to the temple that like all these stories. And then I get to testify of Christ. And my deepest belief is that if they can see that somebody who is left, who doesn't participate in a lot of the ways that they all think you need to be, to be righteous mm-hmm. and perfect and has a deep testimony of Christ, can we shift that belief that if someone isn't doing all these things, they must be out partying. They must be out sinning, Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. this stuff is, right? And instead, it's like, can we open the door that it's not black and white, that it's not right and wrong, good, bad, true, false? Mm -hmm. Like, that's where God's asking me to sit in this space of like, can you exist even with all the stuff that maybe isn't 100% for you, mm-hmm. but you get to show up and spread light in a community. That you get to show up and connect with other people. So for me, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, what's the word? Spicy sometimes with God. You? Yeah, I'm a little spicy. So when God asked me to do these things, it wasn't like I was like, oh, okay, great idea, God. It was like spicy. And I was like, I will do anything God asked me to do. Truly. Like mm-hmm. anything on the table God asks me to do, I'm a yes. Crazy mm-hmm. crap. I'll do all day long. But when God asked me to do this, to participate and not be a Mormon, I was like, "Mm, that's the one thing on the list, God, that I won't do. I know I said that I would do anything, but I'm changing my mind right now. And I think that's actually the magical part. It actually has nothing to do, in my perspective, it has nothing to do with me participating in the Mormon church. It's the fact that I'm doing the one thing, the one thing that was on the list that I said no to. Mm -hmm. The one thing that was like, I'll do anything but this. And so as I participate with God and I do what I feel he's asking me to do, even when I don't want to, that's where magic happens in my life. Mm-hmm. So it's been a real humbling, super humbling. Oh, I can imagine. The most humbling experience of my life, actually. I think that's what I was speaking to in the very beginning, the idea of going back in. It is like this nauseous, like almost that incongruence that just mm-hmm. bashes inside, um, it would be really challenging. And if you're getting a very clear directive, yeah. no, you get to go back in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I, I don't know. I don't know how I would handle that if that was. Yeah. I, I had a lot of ceremonies. So like I burned all of my old garments when God asked me to participate back in coming to church and like being a participant and I burned everything of old Kira and I said I will return and participate but that Kira that Kira died yeah and when I did that it did it it was like I'll never be Mm -hmm. I'll never be that Kira and I'm so grateful for that Kira I love that Kira she was just doing her best she was trying so hard to to find somewhere to hold, to find peace. Mm-hmm. And church was where she found it. But I'm so grateful it all broke because 
like, I'm so grateful to know God for God. I'm so grateful to have the divine mother like really present in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful to have all of my angels that I get to talk to and work with. It really like took this little tiny viewpoint mm-hmm. and just blasted it open. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't change any part. You wrote a book about your abuse. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious the timeline. When when did you write that? Were you in? Is that before or after you left? That was like, I would say I was right about to leave. Like that was right before that. So, I mean, my faith crisis had been going on for years yeah. at that point, but I was still trying to, mm-hmm. like, it's going to come back, yeah. you know? This will just be part of my Mormon this, story. This will be part of my Mormon I mean, story. Yeah. Right, yeah. And and so I wrote that book. What's the title? Um, it's called The show. Hidden Gifts Within the Trauma of Sexual Abuse. So when you read that book, it's actually got a lot of like, Okay, so this is really interesting for me. Is that, this is a question, I guess, for me to ask. Is that even if the church isn't true, right? Whatever that even means. Like, what does that even mean? Right. But like- Truth is subjective. Yeah, like what what does that sentence even mean? But what if the stories, like what if some of these really powerful stories are just true, right? Like what if, what if Joseph Smith really did- sit in that jail and talk to God and ask God where he was. Like that doesn't mean anything other than like, what if that actually did happen for him? And what if, you know, Lao Tzu had his experiences, right? Like, it's like, what if all these stories that have we've been taught were all brilliant and true, but then like when it gets put into some form of religion, it just gets super messed up. Well, it becomes very, um, separated. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I have been learning is that everyone's connection to God is different. Mm-hmm. Meaning you're going to communicate with God, it'll look God will look different to you, especially yeah. now. Yeah. And you'll still have a filter in the way that you see and communicate with God, which means then whatever you're getting as far as inspiration doesn't mean it's truth for me. Yes. Same exactly. thing with Joseph Smith. So if he's having a conversation with God in that jail cell, he probably did. Yeah. But it's his version of God, his filtered whatever coming through because of the way he sees the world. He's also going to see God through those filters. Yeah. And I think that's something that gets a lot often um, in religion because the prophet's the only one who can really talk to God and receive inspiration. Yeah. So it separates this idea of being able to really have direct, unique communication with God. Yeah. What is for one is not necessarily for all. Right. At least in my experience, this is what I'm learning. And that was a big paradigm shift for me, of course. Of course, we would have different communication with different spirits, different angels and God in a unique way that is unique and individual to us. Yes. You know? Yes. And that's why I say like me being asked to go and participate and even to have a calling, like that's not for everyone. But like, that's the spot that I was unwilling to do. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to highlight that of like, what, as listeners, like, what's the area that you're unwilling to collaborate with God on? And imagine that if you could actually open up to receive in that area, that's the place of miracles. Yeah. Right. So I share that story about Joseph Smith because that's actually what was shown to me. I was very, very, very suicidal um, when I had my trauma memory show up. I can imagine. Yeah. It was just like, it was just like 
20 years of pain that I had been pushing back behind this closet door. And then one day they just got all ripped open. Was there a certain thing that had happened? Yeah. Someone I love told me that they had been sexually abused. And so it's like, it's almost like I can handle the pain. I can handle that I've been through this. But then when someone I knew just had, it was like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was like their pain on top of my pain. And it just like blew me out. Yeah. And so in that moment, um, when I chose to live, because I did feel, I felt like God spoke to my self, not my human self, because my human self was like literally drowning in pain. Mm -hmm. But my higher self was communicating and God said, you have work to do. So you need to stay. Mm -hmm. And when I decided to stay, I made the commitment that I would do whatever whatever the divine wanted me to do on this earth. Mm -hmm. Like that's my commitment. If I'm going to stay on this earth, it's not going to be to live half-assed. Like I'm not, like I will come and I will show up. Mm -hmm. And so I was driving to go pick up my daughter right after this experience. And um, I actually was shown the vision of Joseph Smith in that jail. And I saw that his prayer of like, God, where are you? Every word that he had said was exactly what I had just experienced. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I also saw God say, this is for your highest good. He said it, he said it to Joseph, and then I felt him say it to me. Mm -hmm. So I say, maybe that story is true, maybe it's not. But what if God can just teach us through the stories of old, right? Like what if these stories they're just parables to help us right here, right now, no matter what the parable is, mm -hmm. no matter who it comes from. And so that's in my book because it was very like, it was a very distinct moment of shift for me. Like, and now this will be for my good. Mm -hmm. And it did. Every part of that pain has been the alchemy of my life. Like it, my life looks nothing like it did. I don't even look like the same person mm -hmm. after that moment. Like I bet. every part of my body changed. Hmm. There's something I want to touch on here with, I know when you're sharing that moment of God leaving and Joseph Smith having that same experience, I know I've had that experience. I'm on my knees, super down, super depressed. And in that moment where you think that is the one place and the one moment where you should not feel left alone, yeah, you feel utterly alone. And I have a really beautiful friend, you know, in with God, he, you know, Jesus, why hast thou, you know, why did God leave? And he had that moment of also not feeling connected. Yeah. And I have a really beautiful friend that's brought some um, great perspective of, you know, as a parent with our children, if we were to hold their hand with every experience that they're going to go through in life, A, we're getting in the way of their own experience, and they'll never really fully learn. So there are those moments where we do feel God leave or we don't feel that presence because there are those depths of the, when you go to those dark places within your soul to see what you're really made of, yeah. those are life altering moments. Those are those pivotal moments of those choice points of, all right, yeah, I'm going to stand back up and I'm going to move forward and this is how it's going to look. Yeah. And I think those are really, they're powerful experiences. And I think in a sense, God is there. Mm-hmm. But is that parent that's like, you've got this, yeah. you can do this. Yes. You know? Totally. And it's in those moments where we find our strength. Mm -hmm. I remember this, um, it was like the first time we left our kids 
and someone was coming to babysit them, but we like were going on a trip and they had to get themselves up. And I think my oldest was like 14 or something. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh crap, they're not going to, they're not going to get up and they're not going to get ready and no one's there to help them. And then I talked to him later on and it was like, oh, my oldest got up. He made breakfast for everyone. He got everyone dressed and Mm. everyone got ready for school. And in that moment I saw like it was me leaving that helped him rise. It helped him rise in in his responsibility Mm -hmm. and his gifts. And in that moment I heard God say like, this is why I leave you sometimes. Mm -hmm. I leave you so that you rise in your gifts. And you get to see what you're made of. We get to feel it. We mm-hmm. get to go, oh my gosh, this is who I really am. Mm-hmm. So my faith crisis probably doesn't look like a lot of people's. And yet it's been exactly the path I've needed to walk. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whatever, who knows what happens in my, the rest of our lives, right. you know? Who knows where, where any of us will be a year from now. <laughs> Although I do have a very clear vision of where I'll be. I'm like, Anyway, that's a whole other story. But um, I just did timeline therapy where you do you create a goal and then you actually forward pace it. So you put it in your timeline. So you're like, this is what I want to be, where I want it. Anyway, I just did that. So I I'm love like, it. Oh. Um, but the question of God, oh, most people, I would say the majority of people who leave – um, they are angry at God, so they push. They put God in a closet, or I'm done with God. God dies in some form. For you, has God always been with you? Do you feel like you've always had that connection, or did you have to? I mean, obviously, you redefined it a little bit and asking mm-hmm. more for that direct communication. But I guess I'm looking for any kind of insight or um, advice for someone who's like, okay, I guess I'm open to having a different relationship with God. Yeah. What would you? Well, I think because the spiritual realm has always been so loud in my life that when church broke for me, like I just knew, I just knew that God wasn't church. Like, I don't know how that happened, but it's like a very clear line that God and church get really mixed up. Mm -hmm. And so when people leave church, they're like, oh, then I have to leave God because Mm -hmm. they're the same. For me, I don't know why it just was not so for me. It was like church isn't true, but God is. So if God is true, then I need to know God. Mm -hmm. And I think if people can maybe open their hearts to the idea that church isn't God, church is a community, it's a building, Mm -hmm. it's like, there's some structure right there, but like it really, it's not where, it's not God's house. Mm-mm. It's not where God lives. Like God's in us. And so if we can pull away, there's this thing that's coming in where I was talking to someone who's super active and they were like, well, you know, I like fulfill my calling and I go to church. But like, I, you know, I don't pray. And I was like, that is the most backward bull crap ever. Because the truth is like, going to church and fulfilling a calling is like having a job at the community center. Like what, this is nothing to do with God. This has everything to do with building a community and helping other people and serving. Mm -hmm. Like God has to be first. So when we make God first and we go, okay, most important is my divine connection. And maybe it's God, maybe it's the divine mother, maybe it's Christ, maybe it's your angels, whatever it is. If you can find a higher source, 
you'll realize like it's not connected to church. Church is just just one of the like a byproduct almost. Just a byproduct. Yeah. It's just like this, it's like a vehicle that some people drive in and some people don't. But mm-hmm. like God is for everyone. Yeah, I would agree with that. But, and I think, you know, when I look at my upbringing, because I, I, ne- I didn't have that, I didn't have that because it's really not taught in the Mormon religion, at yeah. least the Mormon religion that I grew up in. This is God's house. In order to be worthy to go to God's temple, yeah. you have to do these things to be there. And, you know, there's, there's all these conditions, right? These conditions, which is super hypocritical because God is not conditional. No. You know? And that's, that is so, and most people, a lot of people are like that. So God and church are the same because you're never taught to have a relationship outside of that. And especially for women, yeah, you know, in the temples, yeah. and I, I hear this is gone, but that was one of the hardest parts for me. I'm supposed yeah. to bow my head and say yes to my husband as he communicates to God. Yeah. And I hearken to his word. Yeah. You know, it is this, it, there's a lot of separation of God and the members yeah. in my experience yeah. in the Mormon religion. And that's the piece that that's what creates, that's what creates the trauma. The trauma is like, if I don't have this church, then how can I ever get guidance right. from God? But what's weird is if you actually read the scriptures, <laughs> like I don't know how many times in the scriptures it says like God speaks to man. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know if anyone's ever read uh, Lectures on Faith by Joseph Smith. Like the whole thing is like, how do you speak to God? How do you speak to Christ? And so the way I've seen it is like, this isn't just Mormon religion. Like this is the Muslim religion. This is like all the religions that they start out with like this beautiful, clean source of light of like God speaks to man. Mm -hmm. And then it gets so messed up. (laughs) Yes, it does. And so like, that's where we get to really find our space of, I'm gonna trust that I have a connection to God. And in that place, go from there. Mm -hmm. And if it's a God that was connected to the Mormon religion, like write it all out, burn those pages, Mm -hmm. let that God die for you Mm -hmm. and trust that there is a God that knows you for who you are, who will speak to you no matter if you're like doing freaking meth. Like I believe God will speak to all humans Mm -hmm. if they ask. Yeah, And that's, gosh, like that piece right there That's what's held me through every one of my hard moments is that when I ask, God speaks. And I'm not special. I mean, I am. Everyone's special. But I'm not like holy. (laughs) I just ask. But you have that knowing. Yeah. You have that knowing that you will receive. And I think that that takes, for some people, it takes courage and that ability to let go of anger, of pain, of hurt, of what was, which speaking to the death part is really, really important. And that that is something too that's not taught in our culture. Yeah, it's something that's very much a part of my life and I know very much a part of your life that that the death life death cycle is extremely important. We're not the same people we were a year ago, 2 years ago, 5 years ago, 10 years ago. Our belief systems do change and when we keep holding on to the old version, nothing can be rebir- nothing can be birthed. Yeah. And it's a it's something that just that simple process of writing out what the relationship used to be, even doing an F U letter. Yeah. And then burning it. That that simple process is is allowing that to die. Yeah. And then having the courage to go, okay, if you exist, God, show me what you look like. 
And what's been funny, and I don't know if I've shared this, when I started doing this podcast, God's always been very um, elusive for me. Like I know there's some sort of, it's a source, that's what mm-hmm. I identi- that I was, what I identified with, that I made my peace with. Mm-hmm. But through this podcast, I started asking, all right, do I, do I get to actually see what God looks like? Mm-hmm. And so I got brave enough, because there is a sense of what happens if this God that I put over here that makes me feel comfortable, I ask, and then I am shown something I don't want to see, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. You're like, shit. They were right. You know, there's that potential. Oh, what if they were right? The worst sentence of all time. Right. Which is not my experience, <laughs> but there's that part of us that's like, oh, crap. Yeah. You know, because there's a there's a safety piece in, in where we're comfortable with or what we've gotten become yeah. comfortable with. Yeah. And for me, when I ask God to show up, he was without form. I say he, but it's not a he or a she. Yeah. There's no sex to it. And it is, it was God showed to me like a blob of energy, mm. you know, with no definition. Mm. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. And it's yeah. been really interesting to then what, you know, what gets to be created with this space and this energy and this connection and, and asking those questions. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things we can do is be curious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Being curious and letting go. I I know we've probably hit our no, time. We go an hour. We still are good. Um, my hardest thing, and this is where the humbling has really had to come in, was like, I haven't shared my story. I didn't tell my parents like, okay, well, like God's asked me to go and participate again. Like, I just didn't want anyone to know because mm-hmm. they were very clear that I was out. So when they started to see some signs that I was like participating, I could feel like almost like this like blanket of like, oh no, they're all going to be like, oh yeah, she's back oh, in the fold. She just found out we were right uh-huh. and she was wrong for a decade. And that, that would kind of piss me off. Oh, it's so hard. And you know what? The <laughs> truth is, is I have very open-minded parents. Like they both do energy work. They're That's super awesome. outside the box and they didn't even have that energy. It was me. Mm -hmm. It was my fear that everyone was going to be like, oh, you were wrong. And I had to move through that and be like, none of this. I'm not, I'm not back. I'm just doing what God's asking me to do. So if God asked me to go down to the Buddhist church and participate there, like I'm going to go and do what God asks me to do. Mm -hmm. And that's where I've had to come with my healing of like letting go of anyone else's judgment of me, Mm -hmm. of who they think I am, of what my beliefs are, and just being what the divine has asked me to be. Yeah. And that's been the hardest part for me. Well, I'm glad you spoke to it because I think that that would be... That would be hard for anyone, <laughs> especially someone who likes to be right. <laughs> oh, I don't know what that feels like. Oh, my goodness. So how, do you go back to the temple? <sighs> do I don't know if I want to talk about this. <sighs> I was like wondering, do I share this story? And I don't know. I don't know. You you share whatever feels comfortable. And then I can always edit, too, if this is if there's any question I ask. And you're like, nope, we're not edit <laughs> um, it's so hard because i realize like i am such an open book so it's been an interesting like but not here <laughs> right mm-hmm. but what's interesting is I, I i struggle to share this because i don't know if people can hear it the way that it really is for me yeah um so i guess i can share it and then afterwards we can just delete it if we need to you can decide so 
before we moved to Idaho, um, we were really struggling financially. Both of us were entrepreneurs and, uh, man, it just like wasn't working. And I went to God in my sacred space as I do. And I was like, I will do anything. Like my mom's buying us food. We're living off of my neighbor's food stamps. Like God, I'll do anything. And in that moment, I heard God say, put your garments on. And I was like, well, that's a hard hell no. So you still had garments? Oh, no. Well, I I had put them in a bag, but I hadn't worn them in like seven years. But you still had them. Still had them. I I burned mine. I like chucked all of them. So I was like, that's a no. So I was like, clearly the channel is a little fuzzy right now. (laughs) (laughs) Something's not right with this station. (laughs) So I did the other thing that I like to do to receive is I open my scriptures and I'm like, speak to me, God. So I open my scriptures and I literally like close my eyes and land on a verse. And it's in Isaiah where it says, go ye therefore and put on your holy garments. And I was all... (laughs) hell no, this is messed up. Like I will not be Mormon. And I heard God say, you're not being asked to be Mormon. I'm just asking you to do something. And it was like this moment of like, oh, weird. Like what if I could put on garments because God asked me to, not because the church is true, not because it even means anything, Mm -hmm. simply out of devotion to what the divine is asking me. So it was a good four weeks where I just yelled a lot of swear words at God. (laughs) I was like, I'm pretty clear you just asked me to launch a podcast where I talk about leaving the Mormon church. So (laughs) this is kind of mean of you and I'm not a fan. And then uh, things got real bad financially. And I was like, so can I not be Mormon? Like literally not. Like if God asked me to go and put a tattoo on my body of some other religion, could I do it and not be their religion? Probably. So can I do this and not be Mormon? And so that's when I took all my old garments and I burned them and I was like, I will never be that cure again. I will never be Mormon, Mm -hmm. but I will do what God asks me to do. Mm -hmm. And so- uh, when I started wearing them, and this is why I struggle sharing this because I, I need this to be clear. It was not because I started doing something right. It was not because I went back. It was because I did what God asked me to do. Mm-hmm. Our finances changed 180. And that was the lesson that God taught me was if you can humble yourself enough to do the thing that you said you would never do. Mm-hmm. That's the place where we get to create miracles with God. I think of Moses going to the Red Sea and God being like, it's going to part. And Moses leading a whole army of people with Pharaoh behind them, trusting that the ocean would part. And that's the space where God comes in and moves the mountains. So, when I share this story, it is not because my garments are like the magic workers. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's because I did the thing that was I refused to do. Again. Again. And and so 
at that time I said, well, I will never go back to the temple. And God was like, cool. Cause they're all closed. Cause they were. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, God has a humor with me. And so, um, but to get my garments, I had to get a temple recommend. I hadn't yeah. had one in seven years. Yeah. So I went and I met with my bishop and I was like, I don't believe the church is true. God has asked me to wear garments. I would like a temple recommend. And he was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Well, I can feel your hearts. <laughs> so we're going to move you on to the stake president. <laughs> so I go to the stake president and I'm like, here's the deal. I don't believe the church is true. And God has asked me to put my garments back on. So I really just need a temple recommend. <laughs> and he was like, I don't think I've ever heard this story and I don't really know how to handle you. And I just was like, I am committed to living in a collaboration with God. So this is super humbling for me. And I'm just going to ask you to sign the stupid thing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, I'm going to ask you to go back to the temple. And I was like, I'll go back to the temple when God tells me to. Yeah. And he was like, um, no, I, as your stake president, am asking you to go back to the temple. And I said, well, I only respond to God. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when he asked me to go back, that's when I'll go back. Yeah. And so I got my temple recommend. I'm not sure how they signed off on me. I'm not sure. I think because you're, I mean, you were so candid and honest. It's like, how can that be refuted? And you're listening. You're like, no, I have a direct line with God. Like, how can it, how, yeah. Yeah. So, so for a year and a half, I wore my garments and I was very clear. I was not going back. And then, and then, and then, and then. God asked me to take my publishing house to a million dollar company and to start running centers for people who deal with suicide ideation. And I was like, I don't know how to take a company to a million dollars. So why I do this? I I mean, this is the question, I guess. Why is Kira like this? Why did I go and say, I'll do whatever you need me to do. (laughs) Show me how to do this. And um, I heard go back to the temple and I was like, Oh, I hate you. Why do you keep doing this? (laughs) I am so angry that this is what you're asking me to do. And, um, but also I'm very clear now what happens when I do what God asked me to do when it's something I don't want to do. And I I don't really spend like weeks in that anger anymore. I'm like, let's just move along. Mm -hmm. So been here, done that. I'm like, I'm not going to do three weeks of being pissed. Like, well, I'm just going to go. So I went and it was, in <sighs> was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I cried walking up to the temple and I didn't stop crying until I left. And it wasn't like, oh, because I felt the spirit. It was like, just like, God, why would you have me come back? Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of mean. And then I just asked Christ to sit with me the whole time. And Christ just held my hand the whole, the whole time. And I have not ever been back. I'm waiting. God tells me to go back. I'll go back. This isn't like God was like, and now you are Mormon. And now you will do these things. Like, I don't know. I'm sure if someone heard this episode, they'd probably be like, you don't get to go to the temple, Gara. That's fine. God tells me when I need to do things Mm -hmm. and I don't really rely on anything else. Yeah. And that, that is liberation for me. 
even though I get kind of spicy, like I get super pissed when God asks me to do these things. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, I'm so happy being this crazy, weird spiritual girl who like chants on her mountain with the goddess Isis and like all these weird things that I am and do. I love that Kira. And I will never go back to pre this world. Mm -hmm. But it's been crazy humbling and also like God shows up when I do what he's invited me to do. And I mean, crazy miracles happened in my business that month. Mm-hmm. Crazy miracles I never thought would ever happen. And so I am qu- quite clear that if we go to God and ask, what would you have me do? I'm sure you're not going to be asked to go to the temple. I'm sure most people won't. This is just like my stubborn part where I'm like, <laughs> please don't ask me to do this. Uh, when we when we ask God to guide us and we really surrender, like all of our looking good, all of our doing it our way, when we surrender, like magic happens. And that is true collaboration with the divine for me. So there's, I'm trying to decide how I want to ask this question. I love all that. And I'm super grateful you shared that story. And then you can decide later if you want to have, because it does take a lot of courage. Because naturally there's that judgment piece, right? Of like, what are people going to think? Yeah. And at the same time, I think everything about you though, has such this uniqueness of your whole story. My story was, your story is so unique to you and how you're choosing to walk in the world. And I think in in that there's such beauty and no wonder you're called to lead and guide women. And as you're sharing this story, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, the idea of completely surrendering to, to God, oh, it, it's a struggle for me personally. That's something I, I am still working through. And as you're talking, I'm like, well, shit, I still have some work to do in this area because am I in that space where I really clearly ask for what can I do and it's not going through my filters of what feels comfortable and I'm willing to do. Um, probably not. And then because for me, there's a little bit that surrender piece, right? Of and the masculine, because God is naturally masculine, even though I just yeah. described yeah. this isn't an ambiguous, yeah. but there is that natural tendency to go he. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this idea of surrendering ourselves to a male energy mm. and be told what to do in order to receive. Right. <laughs> Obviously, I have some work to do with that. And I'm sure I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, because it's challenging. Yeah. And then I think of the whole Cain and Abel story, right? It was just more would you would this would you actually listen to go kill, you know, I don't yeah. remember the whole story, you know all the story. Yeah. And that's all that needed to happen. Yeah. It's like why? Why would yeah. we come into a construct to have this direct communication with God to, I, I don't know, I, I guess that's my, that's my wondering of why. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So that, that's kind of why I struggled sharing the story was because it still fits a little bit in the model that Mormonism creates, right? It's like still the Mormon a model, a little bit of like be told yeah. what to do. Yeah. <clears throat> but what I've found is that when I can surrender my humanness to the idea that there's something far greater than me 
and that I actually am here to do like big stuff, Mm -hmm. like not little, like big change the world stuff. Mm -hmm. That's where I get to go. There is a higher version, a higher being who can show me how to do this because my human self has no freaking idea how. Mm -hmm. And that's the place where I get to go higher God, the divine mother, like they all work parts for me where I ask God for guidance, but then I ask the divine mother, I ask her to soften the path. I ask her to heal my soul. I ask her to participate. So it's like, it's like this beautiful realm of like, I've chosen to believe that I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. And that there is a higher version that knows way more than me. And when I play in that place, yeah, the results are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that, again, same friend, because we've had a lot of conversations about this kind of stuff. And it it is what you're saying reminds me of what she said that does bring comfort to me of, because there's a, a lot of times when we shift from Mormonism, when we move to spirituality, it's like, well, we're all gods. Yeah. And I really latched onto that because it makes me feel more strong and powerful and and sovereign. And it's like, well, actually, no, I'm not. I can't go move this, you know, singing bowl that's in front of us, this gorgeous yeah. singing bowl, and move it yeah. from here to the corner of that room. Right. But God could. Yeah. You know, and so it's that turning to God as the guru. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. You know, I'll shift more and more out of my humanness, which includes our ego and our stubbornness and our, but not that yeah. type of a thing, so yeah. that I can move mountains. Yeah. And is that how miracles are really created? It is. Like, okay, I'm going to tell you this last story. So, I mean, I have like a bazillion. One time, maybe we could just do an episode on like all, all the, the freaking miracles, right? <laughs> but like last week, I have this workshop I'm teaching tomorrow here in Utah, which is why I'm here. Yeah. But I forgot to market it because I'm working on this massive collaboration book, which by the way, let me just drop this in. It's called uh, Collaboration with the Divine, a Sacred Communion. And it's 18 different women's stories of how they collaborate with the divine, whether it be God, source, universe, the divine mother. It's, Mm -hmm. It's insane, this book. So I've been working heavy on it, forgot to market this event. Last week, I like go to God. I'm like, okay, I have seven days. And I just, I don't know how to fill this event. I'm like deep in this publishing process. And I heard Dig Your Ditches, which is Florence Govelshin, who's like my favorite author. She wrote a story about how the three wise men were in a drought and they went to Elijah and they said, how do we get the rain? And Elijah said, dig the ditches, dig the ditches deep and the rain will come. And so last week, God said, dig your ditches, buy a non-exchangeable ticket to Utah. And as soon as I did, two people signed up. And then it was like, well, I need more than two. Mm -hmm. So then it was like, well, buy all the things for four people. So buy all the notebooks and, and dig your ditches. And as soon as I did, two more people signed up. And so all of a sudden, it was like, I, I knew I, as a human with five kids, two who are homeschooling, running a publishing house, running a mastermind, running mentorships, putting together this compilation book, there's no way I can get four people in in seven days. So I asked God and God shows me step by step, mm-hmm. dig your ditches and I will fulfill. And that's where we get to really sit in this place with the divine is like we get to dig our ditches, show up, do the actions, and then open our palms to receive. Mm-hmm. And that's how mountains are moved. That's how four people got into this event with hardly anything 
other than seven days notice because I was shown the spiritual law of like spiritually create, spiritually Mm -hmm. dig your ditches. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's so fun about working with the divine. Yeah. (sighs) Beautiful. (laughs) This is a pretty intense episode. (laughs) It's a, I love it. And I just want to touch back that your collaboration book that you did, Mm -hmm. this one is to benefit this nonprofit that you're starting. So all the proceeds you know, it's an investment to be in a collaboration book for anyone. Mm. So I had the investment be that all the money coming in will start my nonprofit, which will then eventually create these physical buildings of light. They're going to be centers of hope and they are going to be so different than anything that's ever been made to support people who struggle with suicide ideation. Beautiful. And that launches 222, right? 222, 222. 2022. And there sure. are 22 chapters. I love it. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'll make sure and in the show notes put how people can connect with you. But your website, KiraPolsonCorrect.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and just Instagram is my fastest. Uh, it's most up to date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You came into my life at a time that was completely unexpected. And I wasn't looking. I wasn't looking for a writing coach. Yeah. I wasn't looking for. I mean, you're not just a writing coach. Kira is like... <laughs> I don't even know how to explain you or describe (laughs) you like every time it's just, it's just different and beautiful and unique. And there's something so beautiful about when we invest in our pathway and in a coach in whatever work it is, how we, we benefit from that. We receive, you know, when you put out the money, it comes back and that's what has been interesting in my life to always show up because you know, when you came into my life, I'm like, I just spent all this money on this thing. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know, but it was such a clear yes that I'm like, shit. (laughs) So I guess in those things, when I do have a yes, you know, and maybe it looks a little different, it's like, all right, I'm trusting and I'm leaning in and it's, you've been such a godsend to Mm. me. So I'm so glad it's been such a joy. I, one of my greatest joys is helping women really refine their, their gifts and their messages. And then creating, creating with the divine and watching it be really successful. Yeah. Your publishing company is only with women, correct? So I think it might be shifting soon. Yeah. And here's why is that I was shown that it has to get a lot clearer. Uh, Freedom House will now only publish sacred work. Mm -hmm. And it is, I feel like this spring, I'm going to be opening it up to men and women. Oh, cool. But the requirement is it must be sacred. Yeah. So I was kind of like, before it was like, well, it's for women only. And if your book brings light to the world. Right. But now it's like, I'm being shown like, no, this is how we bring down like modern, mm. true, mm-hmm. I struggle saying this word, revelation. Yeah. Right? Like this is like modern God speaking to humans yeah. books. And then getting, going out to the world and helping so many. Yeah. So much fun. The ripple effects we get to make. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to share? <laughs> uh, let me feel. Let me see. <sighs> okay, this is the last thing that I want to share is that if you don't know who God or the divine is for you, those who are listening, that if you open the space once a day to just ask. Morning is best, I find, 
to just go in and ask like, who is God for me? Who is the divine for me? It's in the asking that you will receive. Mm -hmm. So the ask is the action that pulls forward the answers. And when you do that, your life will change because you'll find that God is for you in your own way, not anyone else's, not my way, Mm -hmm. not your way. Mm -hmm. Like God will show up for everybody if they ask. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. So... Do you want to? I'm tempted to have you play the singing bowl at the end. <laughs> okay. So Kira brought in this beautiful singing bowl that she didn't know she was going to buy last night. <laughs> no. How old is this bowl? So this bowl. So Katie Joe had this event where we got to come and play sacred old bowls, and this bowl is actually one of. She's actually not as old as most of them. This one's 695 years old. Most of them, they were like 900 years wow. old, like a thousand years old. Um. But what's interesting is when I picked this bowl up last night and I began to see, sing it, uh, all these monks spiritually showed mm-hmm. up for me. And I was like, oh, hell no, I can't buy this bowl tonight. <laughs> this is not in my plan. <laughs> this is not in my plan. So I put the bowl down and I like walked away and I like picked up a different bowl and I was like playing that one all night. But this bowl was like literally talking to me from across the room. <laughs> and I was like talking to God and I'm like talking to my angels and I'm like, all right. If this bowl is to be mine, then I need it to show back up. And I'm like searching, I'm looking at all the bowls and it's like lost. I can't find it anywhere. So then I'm like, okay, it's not supposed to be mine. And I sit down right before I leave and I look to the right and it's sitting there on this Mm -hmm. table and I pick it up and I began to play and like, I can't explain it except that I heard like, oh, I found it again. Mm. Like this bowl had been mine at some point in the world. And, and it came back to me. And so she had this beautiful man there who can touch things and see their past. And he doesn't know my, he doesn't know my purpose of creating these centers. He doesn't know my purpose of healing the way I see is like literally healing massive levels of community. And he said, oh, this bowl, this bowl had been brought back from a pilgrimage to help heal a village. Hmm. And when he said that, like everything in my body said, this is my bowl. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I love it. I'm so grateful. That's beautiful. So grateful to have it in my life. And I would love to play it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I just love you. Thank you. Thank you for holding the space. This is the first time I've told this story. <laughs> and now it's out. And well, here it is. Well, not yet. Not until I go publish it. <laughs> but thank oh, you. Thank, thank you. you for holding this space. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll make sure, yeah, for anybody who wants to connect with Kira, I'll make sure and put all of your information down in the show notes. Kira's a badass, so make sure you connect with her. And anyway... As always, sending you all so much love. Holy crap. How was that? What did you guys all think of that? I would be really curious um, 
to, I'd be really curious. I know for me, it definitely stirred some interesting questions for me to ask myself. And as Kira and I wrapped up the podcast, we continued to have a conversation. And one of the pieces that she had shared that I wanted to share here, I asked Kira how she felt when she would go back into sacrament, because I know for me, that's something that's still challenging. Um, And maybe challenging is not the right word, but I feel like there's that little bit of a guard up when I still go into uh, church building. And I'm sure every single one of you have had those moments. And so did Kira. And Kira said, and I thought this was really interesting, that when she let go of the attachment that it had to be true or that it had to mean anything, then it didn't matter. Like it's, it's so neutral. It's neutral for her. And I thought, again, that was a really interesting perspective and an interesting awareness that I wanted to share with you all that, you know, may, may or may not be helpful to you. But I hope that with everything that you've heard with Kira's story, if there's one thing that you can take away, I would hope that it's this. To question and ask yourself, is there a deeper place that I can go with having a relationship with God? I think it was a really beautiful perspective to understand and witness that God and religion seem to be intertwined, and the reality is that they are completely separate. So if you're struggling in that relationship with God, put God to death in the relationship context and ask for a new relationship to be formed, because God is this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful part of my life, and it is of so many people's lives. So I hope that's something that you get to spend time with and get to cultivate. And as always, things are your, everything's your choice. You get to decide what you want to do with any of this information. But I appreciate you being here. And as a reminder, you're not alone. You're not alone in this journey. You're not alone in your story. And there are pieces of your story that you are moving through right now and your journey that you're moving through right now that are making you into this amazing, amazing human being. And you are already an amazing human being. So I hope you honor those parts of you that have grown and have cultivated these amazing gifts that you have now this unique footprint in the world and you are recognized. And with that, sending you all so much love.